1: Welcome to the 85th episode of Social Suplexes podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Sumwoods and I'm the host of this lovely, lovely show. Joining with me as always is my good friend, my good partner, my good bro, Floyd Johnson Jr. How you doing, my man?
2: I am doing great as far as wrestling-wise in life. It has been a great week. Uh, me and my wife are also moving from our one-bedroom apartment to a house, so that is great Congrats! Great news to report, and yeah, Survivor Series is this week. I know that's not AEW-related, but shock, shocker, I watch other wrestling. It's a thing. Yeah, it's a big four pay-per-view. Yeah, it's a big four pay-per-view. I'm not going to miss it. I won't be watching it live because my world-reigning, defending world champion Kansas City Chiefs will be playing against the hated rival, the Las Vegas Raiders, that day at the same time as, you know, the pay per view. But I will be enjoying that pay per view right after with my boy Drew going against the tribal chief Roman Reigns. I know this is a lot of WWE talk. Oh my god, let me stop before people just turn but off hey, turn it's, off the it's show. Of WWE. You know what I was gonna say let me stop before people turn off the show. They're like, man, supposed to hate WWE You're supposed to want them to burn oh, man, in hell yeah even though honestly I wouldn't have heard of half of the people in AEW if it wasn't for their <laughs> time in the WWE
1: so yeah I mean man it's like if we like wrestling so we watch a lot of wrestling from a lot of companies this show just focuses on AEW so we'll be in we'll get to focusing on AEW since that's what everyone's tuned in we got a lot to talk about for this week's episode of Dynamite before we get into the show Overall, I want to make sure that you're downloading the show on Google or Apple Podcasts. Again, shout out Spotify listeners. Be sure to share the podcast if you listen on Spotify, Google, or Apple Podcasts. We'd really appreciate it. Please leave a rating and review telling us what you think how we do and what you think we can do better. We love the criticism. And if you're so inclined, you can also leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. We will love you forever. You can also support us by following us on social media. At AT Elite Pod is the show's Twitter account. At Social Suplex is our friends at Social Suplex who help make the show possible. Myself, I am at SZumer4 on Twitter. And Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. Now, the big news of the week this time is the fact that PWI released their top 50 tag team list. And AEW has the top two teams. In the first, and this is the first time they've ever done the top 50 tag teams. The top five goes the Street Profits, the North, Golden Rule Models, and then in the top two, both AEW teams, Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page, and FTR. And now, Floyd. How does it feel to know that your boys, FTR, have been ranked the number one tag team in the world by Pro Wrestling Illustrated?
2: I told you so. (laughs) That's all I can sing to you. They are the best tag team walking God's green earth right now. And I've stated it, you know. They won every tag team title in the WWE. They've won... Every tag team, they won the tag team title on AEW, the other companies, they tell you. They tell you all the time that they do this. They love this. And that's why I appreciate them. Now, I I did give Young work some props last, last week. I clearly called them tag team gods. I called them that. So I gave them their props. But this week, oh, on that, joining them on that steeple, on that platform, is... The first ever, first ever top tag team in PWI history. This is the first time, PWI has been around forever. Even when I didn't read dirt sheets or look at magazines, I knew what PWI was. And being in that top 500 singles performance, amazing. So to say on the first list ever, FTR is one? You can't take that away. No other team, that's the one title. Like everybody can like, well, they've won 16 world championships, but no one can take this away from FTR. Now I do have to give a shout out to the number two team, Hangman and Kenny. For a team that was basically a temporary tag team, man, they shined amazingly well. And you know, I you know what? I've heard people say they should be in the one spot. I can't really argue against that. But I would imagine, if I'm the person putting together the list, and this is my magazine, I really wouldn't want to put a temporary tag team as one. I would want to put an established long-term tag team as one. But hey, hey, like I said, I hear your arguments that Hangman and Kenny should be one. They were only a tag team for like eight months, and I think they put it like, uh, what, what a lot of people consider the greatest tag team match of all time. Then they put on a hell of a match with FTR. They were consistent. They are two amazing wrestlers. So don't get me wrong. I want to give the shout out to them. This is not me about. This is the one time. It's not about me burying other tag teams to put over FTR. FTR is. I I just think this is an accomplishment that they earned. Deserved. And worked for. This is why they left the WWE. Because they wanted to be considered the best. And I want to definitely get a shout-out to the other three tag teams on this list. The Golden Raw Models, Sasha Banks, and Bayley. They wanted to put a women's tag team division on the map in WWE. They did. I tip my hat to them. The North, if they had that same reign as champions in the WWE or in uh, AEW, like like a major you know uh, promotion, they would probably be one. And then a number five to the Street Profits. Probably the most entertaining tag team in the world. This should show you how tough this list was. The New Day is not on there, of course, uh, with uh, you know uh, uh, Xavier being out most of the year. They weren't really as pushed and up front, and you know Big E going on singles. Uh, the Young Bucks weren't didn't even make the top ten, which I think is just Highway Robbery, they should just get the top 10 just because they're the Young Bucks. <laughs> you know, so I'm just like, it's crazy. But yeah, I, I think sure. the five teams, they represent, other than Kenny, well, actually, other than two and three, but if you look at 1, 4, and 5 FTR, the North and Street Profits, you are literally talking about, arguably, the three best tag teams in the world today. So I, I was happy, I was beaming in pride, uh, I got an FTR shirt coming and I plan on getting it monogrammed in some way, to uh, uh to uh, commemorate them being the number one and uh, number one team in the PWI top fifty.
1: Yeah, and I, again, like we cannot over under we can't overstate it enough. Having Hangman and Kenny tag together, and like of course they were already established as members of the elite and whatnot, but for them to tag together and like not be an established tag team in an already flooded Talented tag team division that AEW had just as things were getting going, and to become tag team champions and to be as good as they were. When you have other great teams on that roster, like and you, they just came out and they just they helped elevate the tag division just because of how good they are. And the blow off to see them fight each other in the number one contenders tournament that they had in uh, in uh, that capped off at full gear just made the whole thing and just like put it all together in a nice little ball and it just fit perfectly. And yeah, like the fact that they got like on, like they definitely deserve to be on the list, but to be at number two is huge. And like, that's great for them. And FTR, of course, we knew this move to AEW would be massive and it has been massive. And they a hundred percent deserve the number one spot on that list. So congrats to all the teams that were nominated. Congrats to FTR. Congrats to everybody. Now let's get into AEW dynamite for this week. We opened up, With the debut of Top Flight, Darius and Dante Martin, as they faced off against the now AEW Tag Team Champions, the Young Bucks in a non-title match. Now, going into this match, we knew the similarities between the two teams, of course, brothers versus brothers, high-flying teams competing against each other. And Top Flight came out and did really well, I think, for a debut. And they, they managed to turn the story as if... The Young Bucks had to slow the match down like occasionally, whereas Top Flight were the ones that were like really putting them against the ropes with just their high octane offense. So seeing the Young Bucks having to kind of clamp down on the match was really interesting, because you don't see that too often from them. Um, it was a really good debut. The Young Bucks, the champions, were able to get the win. And then after the match, TH2, Jack Evans and Helico attacked Top Flight uh, and then just ran off as the Bucks chased him away. And then Top Flight got uh got uh, got a congratulations from Nick and Matt on their performance. We're going to continue to see more of top flight as you can see with them now having a set, uh, feud built with TH2. And I think really solid, really good opening. Floyd, your thoughts? Yes. Um again, I've
2: made it clear that my favorite thing in wrestling uh as far as you know, not world championship, just favorite thing that happens all the time is the AEW Dynamite first match tag team match there's actually a standard set for it you know what I mean it's like oh they put top flight in the first match on Dynamite these boys can go I knew that before the match started not ever really seeing them wrestle because uh, Tony has set uh, established you know you have to be this good to be in that, that first match and that, and it, they set, the, they stuck with the standard. Of course, they held stuff back. This was the first match on a TV show, so they did they go for the blow away? No, there was no stakes on the line, no title. It was just their first match. It was just kind of to show the world that how dope these guys were. Uh, was everything 100 percent, Chris? No, don't expect it to be. I generally like wrestling a little bit more when it's not 100 percent, Chris. But I do recognize when it is. It does look pretty awesome. But, yeah, I thought the match was great. These boys are 19 and 21, or actually these grown-ass men are 19 and 21, and they're in there wrestling with 20-year veterans, and they're holding their own. A young Bucks, again, why I call them Tag Team Gods, it's because it does not matter the style of their opponent. They will adapt, and the match will generally be dope.
1: Totally. Moving on from that opening match, we have to talk about the inner circle and their escapades in Las Vegas. Now they had two separate uh, parts of this uh, of this segment in these uh, video packages, I guess if you want to call them. And um, I don't. It was it was it was pretty nuts. I mean, Conan showed up. Wasn't expecting Conan to show up in this, um, and like once again, Jericho and MGF were trying to one up each other with their types of alcohol they wanted when jericho eventually just capped it with everclear and i don't drink but i know right there you fucked up let
2: me tell you i do drink and i enjoy being drunk and i do drink what it takes to be drunk like i'm like i don't drink a lot but that's what it (laughs) takes i don't touch everclear i'm like professional alcoholics and drinkers like people i know that drink every week Tell me to uh, say I, they don't mess with Everclear. That's just like the line in the sand. It's like, yeah, this you know, that grain, that pure grain alcohol can stay over there on the shelf, dude. So them taking that shot, yeah. That's pretty much probably most people's reaction to drinking Everclear, because most, like I said, the people I know that drink it, like drink it mixed in like like Kool Aid or some strong juice because it's a very disgusting flavor.
1: Oh no, yeah, and then right after they downed their shot of Everclear, they just shouted at the same time, "Son of a bitch!" And he just like, well, I can't believe he didn't see that going. Um, once again, MJF was fucking with uh, Sammy Guevara, who still doesn't like him. Same with, uh, same with, uh, uh, I believe it was Ortiz. Yeah, Ortiz once again still not liking him. Uh, they were playing uh, blackjack, and MJF switched. Uh, his cards with Sammy when he said he had a blackjack and um, they just they did a whole bunch of shit. I was going to say that would up. be
2: like the worst dealer ever. I want to clarify that. I'm like, <laughs> Oh no yeah
1: just, he did absolutely nothing. He's like you know what I still somehow have a job devi- despite COVID and everything. At this point I don't give a <laughs> shit. They're spending a lot of yeah, money.
2: Exactly because yeah if y'all tried to switch cards yeah uh, they would throw you out pretty quick.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty good. i don't care how good you can sing or wrestle or how many expensive scarves you have like you're getting tossed the fuck out but it was pretty much like if i had to say uh anything like they they pretty much created the hangover like that's what they were doing because then the second half was literally them just fucked up and just like trying to recover i believe like I don't want to say that the little person at the end of there dressed as a baby was Hornswoggle because I don't want every person little person that I think is horn, I want to think is Hornswoggle but I believe it was Hornswoggle. Yeah, a
2: lot of people I said do- he was Swoggle on Twitter. I didn't even think there was a chance that he wasn't Swoggle. I know there's a comedian named Brian something I don't know. I was like, "But let me just say" I think it was Swaggle. I did not watch that segment back. I watched a few of the matches back that I wasn't paying attention to, but I didn't watch that segment back. So I can't say with 100% certainty it was that, but it was him. But, I mean, he's pretty close to a lot of people on the roster, so I would imagine, I would imagine it was him.
1: Seriously, yeah. It's like I can't think of – like, I don't want it to every, like, like oh, it's a little person in wrestling. It has to be Swaggle. So I'm just going to leave that alone. But MJF had a bunch of shit written on his face by um, by Sammy, who got back at him. Um, Ortiz looked coked out of his mind when he was just like, the best, the best, the best. And um, I also appreciated this, the part where Wardlow and Jake Hager were trying to one-up each other by beating up random people. Uh, that was really nice. And yeah, the whole thing was just really entertaining, and it's like I said, it's AEW or more so Chris Jericho's take on the Hangover.
2: Yeah, and if AEW wanted to do a monster tag team, like I, 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 saw two different versions of it tonight that I'm gonna talk about at two separate times. But yeah, Jake Hager and Wortlow. If like if you uh, wanted to, if you wanted to build a tag team up fairly quickly. To give the Young Bucks a uh, like, uh, insurmountable challenge to you know overcome, come on, Jake Hager and Wardlow, just two behemoths.
1: Too... It's pretty much the tag team David and Goliath. Yeah.
2: So it, w- it would be pretty cool if they decide to do that. I don't know where where the Young Bucks are going. FTR has not come back since uh, their loss. Uh, they were devastated. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, like, I saw two different versions of these monster tag teams that I thought would be, like, really cool. And this was the first version. We'll talk about the second version when it comes up later.
1: Yeah. We then had the match between freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy against super bad Kip Sabian with the best man, Miro, on commentary, who I must say did very, very good, honestly. I was, I was, I like, Miro's just a really good talker. And then hearing him on commentary, which I hadn't heard him on. Commentary a ton. He did well. He did really well. I, I'm always down to give wrestlers who are actually good on guest commentary a shout because like it's not easy and like very few wrestlers get a good like shout when they're on guest commentary. But Miro did good. I, I don't
2: watch a lot of YouTube shows, but one of my first like consistent YouTube shows was, was Up Up Down Down, and mm-hmm. uh, he was on there a lot. Miro was on there a lot, and and it was just like. He would talk and he would interact, and you like, Man, this dude has just this, you know, not like wrestling charisma. It was because it's a different thing, but he has this natural charisma. When he talks, he has this energy. He's kind of a smart ass, you know. And, oh, and, yeah. Yeah. Dude. And he's like, But then he did, he brought that same energy and used it kayfabe, you know, putting over his Absolutely. opponents, but still saying he can kick their ass. And I just thought, I thought it was really good. And I just, I don't want to overdo it, because like when we liked Jericho on uh, commentary once, it was like he was on commentary the next three weeks, and then he was like, oh, Ricky Stark's on commentary, that's interesting, then he's on commentary all the time. I don't think they should overdo it, but every now and then with Miro, I thought he kept the focus on what was happening in the ring and his storyline
1: so well. I just thought he did a good job.
2: And I don't think he yeah, took away from th- the other three, which is another big thing. No,
1: no, no, not at all. And the best thing Miro ever did on uh, Up, Up, Down, Down was when he played FIFA against Pack, and like going into the tournament, he named himself he, he nicknamed himself Roman Reigns because he wins all the time, and that was clever. He started doing his his uh, poses after he beat Pack, uh, and Pack was getting all mad about it. Um, he just fucking, like, really entertaining, really charismatic, really smarky, and, like, it's great. Um, the match between Superbad, Kip Sabian, and Orange Cassidy was good. Kip Sabian had some good moments. There was a couple points in the match where I believe Kip slipped up a little bit on, like, moving from the ropes to try to hit a DDT or something. And, um... But it was okay. It wasn't necessarily too long to really say too much about. Um, I did like how consistently, um... Like, they built up, like, Orange trying to put his hands in his pockets and Kip would cut him off at every turn and then, like, would cut him off again and again and again. Then eventually he would have him pinned down, put his hands in his pockets and then just kind of, like, walk away as he just does it because he finally got one up on him. That was really nice. Um, Again, match was, like, nothing too crazy to write home about. It was good, but, like, I didn't really have too much memory of the match. The only memory I had was when the match ended and Orange pinned Kip kipsaping with a nice cradle mousetrap and Miro just sprints to the ring and just wails Orange Cassidy with a lariat and then just screams gets out of the ring as best friends chases after him
2: yeah the fact he seemed to jump up and I know it can't all be one motion but it seemed like it he seemed to jump up run over jump over and then clothesline him in like one fluid sequence that almost seemed like one movement Seeing a big man like him just run at that speed is horrifying. And you forget how good of an athlete he is. You know he was built as the super athlete forever and it was like, okay, you saw the super athlete and it's like it wasn't it wasn't like he wasn't doing anything special or whatever. It was just like that was just him naturally moving that quickly and that smooth with that much agility and then then the the power mixed into it. He clotheslines the crap out of Orange Cassidy, who did an amazing sell on that. And then yeah, it was just I, I just I was very impressed with Miro at that moment. Uh, Kip Sabian, I've never been huge on Kip Sabian. Kip Sabian has never been like in a match where I'm like, man, Kip Sabian
1: was amazing. He, he does. What he- I was going to say, the only match, the one match that I really hold him to is uh, his match with Sammy Guevara uh, at uh, Double or yeah. Nothing. And, that was really... And I liked all his Harry Potter references, and they've kind of gotten rid of that. And, you
2: know, the dude is... He, I will say, he's a solid professional wrestler. It's just the most interesting things about him are the girl he's with and his bodyguard. And that's... I, I don't know... <laughs> I don't know if it's a him thing or if it's a me thing, but he's never been a person that has I'm like, I need to see Kip Sabian's match. So yeah, I kind of Mm -hmm. 75% paid attention to this match.
1: Yeah, and it's like I think Kip like can use that to his advantage, being like super snark like like sleazy about like how he's like like pay attention to me and not my girlfriend or my big bodyguard friend. Yeah, but I,
2: yeah, like, I would or, need me
1: Fiancé, Fiancé, I
2: would need him to use that. I would need him to go, like grab a cameraman that happens to be looking at Penelope and point the camera at himself and says, "Don't pay attention I to her." I think that they
1: should go with that after they get <laughs> yeah. married cuz like after they get married, I think that would
2: be really cool. Oh, yes, it like a good. And if his opponent started referring to him as Penelope's husband, that would be hilarious. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm like I'm like, "Oh, you're just Penelope's husband now."
1: <laughs> yeah. Now we can get into the contract signing for the World Championship match uh, that's taking place on the December 2nd episode of Dynamite. John Moxley versus the number one contender, the cleaner, Kenny Omega. Now, before this segment, we had a video video clip of John Moxley talking about the match. And in that promo he cut, just straight up, just casually announces he has a pregnant wife at home. Renee Young is pregnant. <laughs> That's amazing. Congratulations that, to both of them. I, that was
2: almost the big, I was not That was that. almost the big story of the week, but I didn't want to draw super attention to it because apparently he didn't either. It was the in my opinion, the smoothest delivery of pregnancy news I've ever heard. Because yeah, and there like, was no and hints. Renee was like like there was no anything. Yeah. I follow René She's one of my favorite follow, follows on Twitter because her page is gen generally positive, so I I love following her. There's been no hints that it's becoming, or they've been so subtle I didn't notice. And he's like, "Well, my life's changing. You know, I got all these people looking after me. I got a wife at home that's pregnant." And then he's like, "Yeah," and every and he's like, "I don't even know what to do. How do I? You know?" I was like, and I shocked, and I put it. I was like, "Is this common?" Knowledge that I didn't know, I like put in my group chat. Because I'm like, that seems like that was something. And then everybody's like, and then the internet broke. John Moxley, dude, breaks the internet with a throwaway line in a promo. I'm telling people, I mean, people say like his promos have the same tone. He's so subtly good at getting everything in. He got that in and people almost missed it. (laughs) Seriously, like I didn't want to put it on Twitter because he said it so nonchalantly. I thought they had been talking about it for months, and I just I hadn't been paying attention. <laughs> no, that's the thing.
1: I loved Renee. I loved Renee's reaction too, where she was like, "We were." I was thinking about all these ways to announce it and all that kind of stuff, and then randomly he just says it in a promo, and I'm just like, "Oh!" And at the t- same time, she thinks about it. She's like, "We really don't shout about stuff too much about re- our relationship or our marriage," and she's like we don't make too much too big of deal about things and she's like it actually really fits with us and i'm like awesome glad hopefully uh everything goes great and like you guys are amazingly adorable together you're lovely wonderful love you both and uh, just the fact that he just dropped that, I, I literally was like did he say pregnant did he say pregnant
2: yeah, like I, I will say it in clear uh renee young is my favorite if it is one of my favorite wrestling personalities there is like period she
1: i loved how she was a great commentator i'm just saying when she's on like interview
2: shows or everything she just is like just so bubbly and like just always like just positive i mean and even when she was on the total diva show that i had happened to watch a couple times it was like i could i could drink with her i could hang with her well, not drink with her anymore, but I could have before, <laughs> and, and it's like, I'm I'm like I'm happy for her. I'm happy for her and Moxley that I know this is something they both wanted, and you know what? Congratulations on that.
1: I will say also, since we're on the topic of, like, wrestling relationships, uh, Alexa Bliss got engaged, too, which is really cool. Shout funny. out, to, and shout out just,
2: to Alexa Bliss. Yeah. Uh, I saw more tweets about people being allegedly mad that she was uh married that, that i did hear about yeah that. I, I saw more tweets about that than i saw from people actually mad about that she got uh, she got married I, i'm
1: like I I, think i'm it's happy because for her. i think it's just because the iwc <laughs> has has labeled like alexa bliss as the the one female wrestler that like crazy fans are simping over uh, uh, the most.
2: yeah i, I just say simple i'm happy for her too congratulations yeah she seemed to finally got a guy that, you know you know that they they matched their energy of I'm like immediately from when they started dating it seemed like she was very happy so and it, again this is social media you know whatever I I take it with a grain of salt but congratulations
1: yeah and I will say Alexa Bliss is still one of my favorite wrestlers in general just because she posted online about her dancing to uh, Eye to Eye from a goofy movie fuck yes. Such a good. Yeah, man. she's a fan of Hanson too, and b- b- me growing up in
2: Oklahoma, Hanson was a very relevant part of my life. And my best friend, one of my best friends, is a huge Hanson fan, so that even made it even more of a relevant part of my life. So the fact that she's like all like fangirling over Hanson was kind of cool. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Now getting back into this segment after um, John Moxley cut that promo. The actual contract signing really didn't do much except for the fact that John Moxley was knocked out backstage. And uh, Kenny Omega came out with his ridiculous entrance with the dancing br- with the dancing ladies with the brooms, and he comes out, and as we wait for John Moxley, he's knocked out, he's got a bloody nose, and their doctors are talking about they want to stabilize his neck and get him on a backboard, stretcher him out. No one has any clue what's going on, so Kenny Omega just says... All right, well, December 2nd, winter is coming, and I'll be there too. He signs the contract, and then it's just a really awkward ending as no one knows what happened to John Moxley. I will also say the winter is coming uh, uh, tagline is probably the most WWE-esque thing AEW has done recently because they love having ridiculous taglines to their pay-per-views, but this is just to a dynamite. So the whole "winter is coming tagline I find very silly, but it's, it's and whatever. And you know,
2: I I say the same thing, but I also point out this stuff. I point this out to a lot of people that seem to forget this, and this is not to you, but in general, a lot of the things WWD does as marketing works.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, it works. <laughs> I, I find it absolutely ridiculous, like how they... They named a the pay-per-view Great Balls of Fire yeah. or the way they, they market like, Survivor Series as the one time of the year when Raw and SmackDown go head-to-head in competition. But you guess pal. what? You can say it off it the works. top of
2: your head and not even think about it. You... Oh, no, because they say it all the time. <laughs> exactly. it's That's how it works. It's the That's why they're called the machine, you know? <laughs> it's like they are going to drill it in your head. It's like people that don't even watch wrestling every week or whatever, they know those two taglines. and They know Roman Reigns is... The tribal chief, and you know they know uh, Drew McIntyre is the Scottish psychopath because they drill it in your head, you know, and you learn by repetition. So with them, yeah, winter is coming. I don't say December second without saying winter is coming anymore because it was drilled in my head. (laughs) I speaking of, I will be there. I, I did get my tickets this morning to it. I will be there live from Jacksonville, Florida mox versus omega i I was just like it was like one of those
1: things that i was like they're doing this match on tv hell why not (laughs) i mean like bro it's like you're doing so much cool shit you like i'm gonna have so much trouble getting you a christmas present because you got a ps5 you went to full gear you're going to dynamite at daily's place like i have no idea what i'm gonna get you for christmas my man i'm like completely lost
2: dude dude
1: i you know what I, I i have one of the
2: biggest christmas presents you've given me you've given me all year i've had a consistent partner on the show uh. <laughs> and it's been like it's like as much as i've loved everybody that has tagged williams me i've had to switch so often that i was like man i actually feel like we have a rhythm now and it was like even when like before when i was kind of it. if somebody couldn't do it i'd just switch to somebody else and do the show it's like when well, you can't do the show i don't really want to do it anymore because i like wow. our chemistry and rhythm so i definitely i'm like i you know this wasn't expected i didn't think i was gonna say it but yes you've already given me a christmas present thank you wow. for being here every week bringing your energy matching mine and slowing me the fuck down when i need to be slowed down
1: I appreciate you man. I didn't realize we were going to get crazy sappy right there, but I appreciate it nonetheless and love you man as always. We'll get back on track a little bit as a uh, Bastard Pack is back and he had his first match back in about 8 months as he faced off against The Blade. And like seeing Pack back in the ring, like god, I missed him. Like he's just such a good, he's so quick, agile He's got such a great moveset. He's got an amazing look. He's super great in the ring. And as he worked with Blade, like, they did really well together. Blade did well, too. Like, we don't see a ton of singles matches with uh, The Butcher or Blade individually. But Blade did really well, I felt. Eddie Kingston was on commentary already. I'm like, yay, I get to hear Eddie Kingston talk. Yay. But uh, Pac- was able to hit a nice shooting star press and then transition into the Brutalizer to get Blade to tap out. And then at that point, uh, Pack then grabs a mic and then just is about to go off on Eddie Kingston and then gets jumped by the Butcher. They start getting beat down as Eddie Kingston comes in and starts mocking him. Then Ray Phoenix comes down and um, comes to uh, help... Uh, help pack out and uh, he also kind of fell at one point because it looked like he was going to do some crazy springboard thing and kind of fell um but uh, he starts beating up uh trying to beat up uh uh eddie kingston or butcher blade or whatever and he was unnumbered outnumbered as well and then penta comes out with a steel chair and of course kingston trying to break off the lucha bros for weeks now and we're wondering who penta's gonna side with he then chases off Kingston, Butcher, and Blade with the chair, and Death Triangle is back! Represent,
2: I, I mean, I would send a picture out if, uh, if I felt like it, but I am actually wearing my Death Triangle shirt. Because it was, awesome. it was in the back of my closet, because the Death Triangle wasn't a thing.
1: <laughs> so Yeah, we didn't get to see a ton of them until Pack I, I had, had to go I away.
2: Literally, so I bought the shirt and of course no one ever talks to my wife but i lost the shirt like i had put it up in the closet or whatever and i couldn't find it and i was like but it didn't matter because you know Pac was gone actually ray and pendo was gone so there was no death triangle and then it was like oh i think you know tony made the comments about Pac, and i was like so he's coming back so i figured what the what a&w is really good at is if something gets pushed off they are generally pretty good at coming back to it. So it was like the death triangle was something I wanted to do, so I figured they would come back to it. So I found the shirt. I was like, man, because, you know, I don't know if if a lot of people remember this, but Chris Jericho and AJ Styles were Y2AJ, right? And they put out a shirt, and then they broke up three days later. Yes, who bought that shirt? Union. Yes. So I literally, by the time I got the shirt, the tag team wasn't a tag team anymore. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so. In, 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 that's just bad. Part. So in Death Triangle, so they come out and they say, we are the Death Triangle. And I buy the shirt, and then they never appear on TV again.
1: <laughs> and it sucked too because i it was like i heard that faction i was like they're gonna be so i, fucking I good. love the name triangle de
2: la muerte i love saying that yes it's just the dopest sounding name ever and i was, I was like i bought the shirt and they never appeared again
1: <laughs> it sucked yeah so i didn't waste
2: money on the shirt
1: no, you didn't waste money on a shirt, and uh, we get to see actually what Death Triangle will do, which is good, because all three of those members are unbelievably good. After this, Jade Cargill, who made her debut last week, uh, stomped Brandy Rhodes' arm in a steel chair, and Nyla Rose and Vicky Guerrero were helping out, oh. and kind of running interference, and then eventually, um, then uh, a couple other wrestlers like... Uh, uh, Big Swole and a few other people came and then chased him off. But yeah, uh Jade Cargill uh got a little bit back on Brandy Rhodes after she went all Detroit on his ass. Yep. Yeah. On her yeah. ass.
2: so um it's uh crazy You know how AEW is consistent. They like to work in threes. They like their groups to have at least three people in it. And it's like a Vicky Guerrero, Nyla Rose, Jade Cargill group great group and jane cargill is one of those people i think she will come along i think she will develop really really fast as a promo because you already saw the raw talent there so she'll develop really fast as a promo but being with vicky guerrero who is already amazing promo and has been in this business forever it's only going to do anything it's only going to increase
1: her maturity. Very fast. 100% agree. We then had the NWA Women's Championship match between Serena Deeb and the former champion, Thunder Rosa. Again, they put on such a good match. Had really good chain wrestling. They really took each other to the limit with a lot of physical moves. Um, There was a point in the middle of the match where Dr. Britt Baker actually interrupted the match and proceeded to... um, DDT Thunder Rosa on the ramp after uh, Rebel managed to uh, distract uh, the referee and Thunder Rosa still stuck in it despite the fact and uh, they still went back and forth a lot after that spot but eventually Serena Deeb would get the pin, retain the title and then Britt Baker was just back at ringside like a cocky son of a bitch and then Thunder Rosa just finds her and just beats the shit out of her, and they're just fighting each other as AEW officials are just like trying to split them apart. But I just love the fact that she does that, runs to the back, and then proceeds to get back at ringside to watch as she's like, like I don't know, like I didn't do anything, la di da, and she had like didn't think like, hey, depending on how this goes, you don't think you're gonna get jumped by her after this?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, people talk about. My friend Rich talks about bad faith arguments all the time, and this is another one. So, I heard this week, and this is a very good angle. I am a big fan of Thunder Rosa and Serena Deep, and I thought they put on an amazing match. I I really did. I was completely engrossed. And even after the interference, I didn't know who was going to win, and, you know, Deep just won. You know, I thought that was, and I thought that was another twist. You know, it, it. Some people said the interference didn't count, but yeah, she took a big move. So yes, she was going to be weaker going through the rest of the match. That was a move that wore her down, and Serena Deep took advantage of that. Which Serena Deep was already good. So that extra, you know, extra move is going to help her be great. So I thought that was a different twist that they kept the match going after the interference. And like Deep didn't just hit her finisher and Rosa go out. So that was cool, and then, you know, Thunder Rosa uh, attacking uh, Britt Baker. So I see on the internet people are like, you know, make the, why is the NWA title presented as more than the AEW title? I'm like, literally the AEW champion beat the NWA champion. So how is the NWA title being presented as bigger than the AEW title? And then if you look at this segment, there were three women featured in the segment. Two of them work for who and have contracts with who? If you could finish my sentence for me, Austin, who do they have contracts with?
1: Ah, uh, oh God, I'm 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 blanking. I'm blanking. I'm sorry, I apologize. Yeah, they have they have contracts with AEW. So of the
2: three women in the segment, two of the people getting the person that got the pin has an AEW contract. The person that got the interference is in the brawl next. Has an AEW contract, so how and what blue hell <laughs> are you not featuring AEW women?
1: <laughs>
2: I'm just like I don't I don't understand the argument. And you have an extra belt, and for some, for some reason, no matter who you are, I am a victim of this too. If you're a wrestling watching a you're a wrestling watching audience, you pay more attention when a belt's on the line. You just do it's just how you kind of talk to think in wrestling so i'm like they've done everything to feature everybody available they even even in the jade cargill thing they got okay so you had nyla with jade and then you had swole and red velvet come up so you have another three women that they're you know featuring that got screen time that hadn't been getting screen time like what else do you want
1: it's like they're coming they're they're working on it it's a progress it's it's trying (laughs) yeah and again like if you please like let us like i'm telling you like we we want the same thing that you want we want the aw women to be featured more prominently we do and the nwa like they still are being featured more so than than the nwa women just because like it's their women um but you have to keep that same energy so like i know a lot of people will say that and then at the same time when an AEW women's title match goes on or when an AEW women's match happens in general, they might just flip to another station. You have to be watching at the same time. Like, please don't get it twisted. We want the women to be that much more represented on the roster and be just as big as the men. And we know that they're at a point right now where they're they're fighting an uphill battle just because the roster is not where it needs to be and they lost a lot of talent. So
2: You can tell that there's not a problem when the women of the company aren't complaining about not being featured
1: seriously yeah they know they know the trajectory yes, they, they know they, where everything they know going. who they
2: work for they work for a numbers guy the numbers have to make sense i mean unlike like let's say any other company their their existence AEW is a shell of its it's on its own you know there's not like four branches of AEW. There's not a film section of AEW right now. I mean, they just got games, right? So their TV contract and their relationship with TNT is what matters. <laughs> so they're going to put on what draws. Seriously, yeah.
1: So, so I'm just saying, keep watching it. I never miss a match. Exactly. I love. Speaking of love another. It. Speaking of an, <laughs> I was gonna say. Uh, speaking of another woman that was featured, literally the next segment was a sh- promo with John Silver and Anna Jay, as Anna Jay was announced that she will be getting a shot at Hikaru Shida's title next week. So, there you the, go. You got another woman the, star of the show, being featured
2: for the champion. And she's not that great of a promo yet, so cut the use. Probably the hottest guy on the internet, John Silver. And he yeah. does an amazing promo and literally just does nothing but put her over. About how awesome she is. And I just thought it was just well. I was like, okay, that's what's that's what's missing kind of sometimes in a manager role that you don't see. Paul Heyman's really, really good at it. But good luck. Jordan oh, yeah. John Silver just made you think she was never going to lose again in that one-minute promo. And Anna J just stands there and looks awesome because she has an amazing look. And, you know, and as her promo skills improve, you know, she'll need a manager less. But, yeah, I'm really excited about NJ versus us, uh, We'll see how far Anajay has come along in the ring, working with a veteran that kicks ass. And just so everyone knows, if you hadn't heard this, Rio is under contract with AEW. She's just a victim of COVID, just like anyone else. So, she just can't get over here to wrestle. So... Did, I mean, a lot of people thought she didn't work for AEW anymore. I'd I'd heard that, and Tony cleared that up that she still works for AEW. She just can't work for AEW. Yeah,
1: people thought it was like a temporary <laughs> contract or whatnot, or she didn't resign or whatnot. But no she she does still work, work with AEW, but just she can't yeah, get here. She can't
2: get here. I mean, I mean, you know, the thing with the UK is, you know, they, you know, Tony has a plane of his own, and I think he's. I don't know if he's a citizen in the UK, but they at least own like a football team there, a football team there. So I'm yes. I'm, I'm thinking he's allowed to more freely travel than other say private uh, other private citizens that have to take commercial flights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's why Pac was able to make the trip
1: over, or Pat. Yes. <laughs> Main event time. Tag team action between the TNT champion Darby Allen and the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes versus Team Taz, the FTW champion Brian Cage and Absolute Ricky Starks. It was a pretty damn good uh, main event, capping off like each of the mem- and, like everybody in this match is really really good. They did well. It was a good cap off. But the whole reason this was the main event was honestly just for what happened afterwards. So after the match was over, and Darby Allen was able to uh, get the pit. Well, actually, yeah. So Darby Allen gets raised raised by uh, Brian Cage to the top rope. And then he gets finished with an avalanche drill call. And then that ends the match. And then Team Taz starts just beating the shit out of uh, Cody and Darby. Ref calls for the bell. Will Hobbs then comes to the ring with a steel chair. And then he picks up the the FTW title and then just starts staring at Brian Cage. And as Cody gets back up on his feet, nails Cody in the head. Brian Cage, I mean, uh, Brian Cage then gets back into the ring and starts hugging Will Hobbs. Will Hobbs, now a member of Team Taz. Will Hobbs has turned heel.
2: I thought this was a a hell of a twist. And I want to give it its moment before I go off on another rant that I have. I, I, I just thought, I thought... Uh, Will Hobbs came out and I thought he did it perfectly because if you've noticed, even since the show that I I was watching, I I noticed but did notice that he never touched Team Taz. He swung the chair, he did everything, but he never touched them. And it was all building up to this moment where again he comes out and they run and he never touches them and then he makes the decision. The right decision for his career. He joins Team Taz uh, I thought it was a big moment. I thought it was a hell of a way to end the show. I, I thought it was great. This was this just it was just professional wrestling. Uh, I, I really loved
1: it. Uh, what did you think about the moment, sir? Uh... Honestly, like it's pretty big just because like it helps grow Team Taz and makes it even stronger. I feel like Will Hobbs like really impressed me with his opening performance, but with his size and his look. It just made me think, man. If this guy turned heel, I can imagine that he would just be vicious. And I was right. Like the dude, the smile in his in his face when he was staring at Brian Cage while holding the FT, FTW title, and then as Cody gets to his feet, gets gets the title in his hands, and then just smacks Cody across the face of it, was great. Like I was a hundred percent not expecting that, and. The point that you said, yeah, that he didn't touch Team Taz once despite the whole, like, feud or them trying to convince him to join Team Taz and all that. And, like, I totally forgot that, like, yeah, he hasn't laid a finger on any of them. Yes. And, um yeah, so
2: I was talking about earlier the monster tag teams. Like, if Ricky wanted to focus on Darby and going for the TNT title, and just for a little bit, not it doesn't have to be a long time. Brian Cage and Will Hobbs are a tag team? Ooh. Oh, oh, my God. Just two physically imposing athletic guys. I'll just, again, if you just, you don't, especially with Hobbs not built built as unbeatable now, if you really wanted to give them some wins on Dark and then give them a couple major wins on Dynamite and just have them run through people and then go to the Young Bucks, oh my God, it would be great. Or whoever, whatever face tag team you want to be. If you want to do it with Private Party or whoever you want, it's just such a physically imposing team. Uh, it'll. It would uh, definitely. I think it would get over the team that they eventually beat
1: them. Yeah, honestly, me too. And like, it just would be a fucking scary ass team as well, just to see. But okay, that Rent was time. that was AEW Dynamite though. Great yeah. time. Gotta ask you a Done. question.
2: Why is Cody in the Nightmare Family? Why is it a thing?
1: When like nobody in the Nightmare oh Family my ever him fuck
2: out. He's getting the shit beat out of him. And no one comes out. Arn doesn't even do Arne, a damn I mean, thing. Arn got tossed in the match. I understood that. But Dustin.
1: But he doesn't even come up after the match is yeah, over. Yeah, you got Dustin. QT. You, got, you can't do Brandy because she's
2: hurt, obviously. You got Austin. Uh, uh, Austin Gunn and Billy Gunn.
1: So, <laughs> it's like... And and technically, and technically, Lee Johnson. Uh, Scorpio, right? Lee Johnson, not Scorpio. Oh, Lee yeah. Johnson, yeah. Well, Scorpio was, was friends.
2: No with one him comes before. up. I even put on my Twitter, I really think Cody should just trade up for. It's, it's seriously, it's one of those things that I've talked about before, and I know you have to accept wrestling, and I can't. Because I've been watching wrestling my whole life. And even growing up, I wanted to be a horseman, I didn't want to be Dusty Rhodes. Because the horsemen seemed to have each other's back. Dusty Rhodes was always getting his shit beat out of him. And nobody was coming to help him. So it's just like... It's just bringing back those old feelings of... Dude, I want to be on Team Taz. I don't want to be in the Nightmare Family. Why? No one from the Nightmare Family ever has the other guy's back.
1: (laughs) I mean, man... it's (laughs) It's
2: like, dude... Cody's not getting a break. Yeah, it's like, dude, I understand wrestling... But this is 2020 people are more intelligent now they watch wrestling a little differently why be in a gang if your gang is not going to have your back why be in the why be tony stark why team up with the avengers if thor is going to always be off site you know what i mean off the off the planet if hulk is wherever it's like no when they really needed each other they were there you know who's never there from cody when they really need him <laughs> Anybody from anywhere the from the Nightmare Family. Only person that ever came out and ran out and to defend Cody is his wife,
1: <laughs> and she couldn't do that she because she had, had her arm. Yeah,
2: against Jay Carl. i was just like, I'm just tired of it. It's repetitive. It's like, dude, if I could ever have a conversation just like face to face with Tony Tony Khan, I was like, why do you do this? And I know he'll be like, this is wrestling. It is essence. But it doesn't have to be. Because <laughs> wrestling has changed a lot since the 80s. Why can't you change this thing that is a, uh, obvious? Uh, why didn't you change a thing that is an obvious like, like plot hole? <laughs> or just say Cody doesn't want to be in a group anymore. And then I would completely <laughs> understand that. Like, Sting was never in a group. Him getting jumped, I okay, cool. Sting was on his own. You know? But Cody can't be the leader of the Nightmare Family, and the Nightmare Family never has their leaders back. He he must, I mean, in this case, you would think Brody Lee is a much more effective leader than Cody at this point. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Outside looking in, trying to look at it as kayfabe, uh, trying to put my brain in the world of professional wrestling, and not as a. It just like like uh, pretending like I'm eight and I'm watching the show. Anytime Ricky Starks or Cage have a problem, the other one's out there. Anytime the Dark Order has a problem, they got a whole 20 people come out there just to walk them out to the ring. Anytime Cody has a problem, he just gets the shit beat out of them. Now, I, like I said, this is my eight year old brain thinking, why? <laughs> I do I do <laughs> like, know. Why? I was like, If I was an 8-year-old, I would ask why. Because I did when I was an 8-year-old. I'm telling you. This is a question I would look at my brother and ask. Why the hell aren't anybody coming out?
1: <laughs> Tony, you better be listening as well as QT, Dustin, Brandy, everybody like, in the you're, Nightmare You're family. making
2: a world full of heels.
1: Because guess what? I grew up
2: wanting to be a heel. Because at least they had each other's back. They might get their ass kicked and lose.
1: But they at least had each other's back. Yeah. But anyways, like I said, that was AEW Dynamite for this week after Floyd finishes that rant, which was very entertaining. And it was a good show. Um, There was a lot of pieces that were put together of, like, things changing and then moving forward towards that massive December 2nd episode where winter is coming. And, I mean, the turn of Will Hobbs to Team Taz was huge, um... We had a really good NWA Women's Title match, and had a feud started with uh, with uh, Britt Baker and uh, uh, oh my god, why am I blanking? I'm awful. Uh, <laughs> oh, Thunder Rosa, Thunder yeah. Rosa, Thunder Rosa. That's like so. We had that start off. We also had um, feud starting um, with. Uh we're continuing with Jade Cargo and Brandon Absolutely. Rhodes. Like feuds were continuing, feuds were starting and like stuff was getting moving. Yeah, it looks and, like, and, like we, we might a get a slow Jade Gargill match. Yeah, which hell yeah, I'd like to see that. So, I mean a lot of stuff was put in place and a lot of stuff has been moving forward and everything's looking really strong and it was another really solid episode of Dynamite with some good matches and having Pack back is great, having Death Triangle back is great, having Will Hobbs as a heel is really cool. There's a lot of stuff, like, stuff is starting to kind of really start to pick up again since, like, COVID put a huge slash on, like, every wrestling company and their stories. Now it seems like they've got so many plates. Yeah, even the audience is coming back
2: now that uh, the whole political season is kind of over. I mean, like, you know, there's still stuff going on, but, like, last week, the top 50 shows, like, 49 of them were news. This week, AEW. Back over eight hundred thousand average audience at back at eight at eight fifty, which was around the number they were between nine hundred thousand before, uh, before you know, you know, presidential season comes, which is of course more important than wrestling, but and then they were at point three seven in the in the demo, which is like the eighteen thirty four. So that was a killer number 7th overall cable show. That was a killer. That that was, they mm-hmm. they killed this week. As far as the ratings, and what I wouldn't say was just like an amazing dynamite, it was a really good show, don't get me wrong, but I wouldn't say it was like an A plus dynamite. So, to me, that means that core audience that kind of went away for the while is coming back,
1: yeah. And now we can get into the look of what is happening next week on AEW Dynamite. Of course, we have the Anna J and Hikaru Shida women's title match which should be really exciting we have pack and ray phoenix teaming up to face the butcher and the blade that's a hell of a team in itself we also have will hobbs the newly turned heel and member of team taz who will be in action and then we will be having chris jericho and jake hager teaming with the with, with each other after for pretty much weeks of just not and months of not teaming with each other they will be facing scu And those were the matches that I found that were announced. There may be a couple more as time goes on of new matches that have been announced. Floyd, have I missed any, or are those the only ones that have been announced so far?
2: Well, I am really uh, excited about next week. Um, uh, Next week coming up, just because I I, I do want to see how they build up. It's the week between Kenny and uh, Mox, and they're trying to build it up as the biggest Dynamite ever. So... That being that being the case, it's um it, you know, you're gonna get something fiery, maybe find out who attacked Mox. Uh, we might see that some kind of brawl. And you know, it being the biggest dynamite ever, they probably wanna uh, they probably wanna at least establish a couple of their matches. So I am looking forward to what uh, comes from that. And the fallout from this week as far as Cody Brian Cage and Will Hop, uh
1: turning heel. So I'm Bless looking you. forward to all of that it uh,
2: comes up next week.
1: <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, I pretty much agreed with everything that you mm. say right there and um, that's really going to do it for this episode of All Things Elite. Um, I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, before I get to the whole like plugs and everything, I know Floyd has the winners of our contest for the AEW game shirts that we announced last week. Floyd, do you want to let us know who won uh, these lovely t-shirts? Whoa, oh, and, well,
2: I don't know if the shirts weren't popular, but we didn't get a lot <laughs> of people, you know, enter. <laughs> so, so we got three people that entered, uh, Dan Coffin, uh, Shane and Steven of Freddy. And that's at Steven underscore Freddie. Shane is at S T R nine Oh nine. And Dan, y'all all won shirts. So I'm going to hit you up all individually because I was giving away three shirts. Three people entered, and ended up working out. Probably going to get out something cooler. Maybe get a more traction as we get closer to Christmas. But thank you all for yeah, listening no, to the honestly, show like,
1: and giving your comments. Not even a co- competition. You guys just won straight up. So congratulations! You got a free shirt. And thank you so much again for listening. But with that. um all done and over with we can now say um thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of all things elite if you enjoyed it and you do enjoy the show continue to download the show on google or apple podcast or start doing so if you haven't yet and if you listen on spotify You can share the podcast, and share it also if you're on Google or Apple Podcasts. We would really appreciate it with a friend, family member, anyone who likes wrestling. We'd really appreciate it. Leave a rating and a review about the show. And also, if you're inclined, you can listen. Leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. We would be forever grateful. On Twitter, we are at AT ATElitePod on Twitter. Social Suplex, our friends at Social Suplex are at Social Suplex. Myself, I am at SZoomer4, and Floyd is at FloydJohnsonJr on Twitter, And with everything out of the way, it's just time for Floyd to take us home after this episode of All Things Elite. Floyd, go ahead and take it away.
2: All right, the next time you'll hear from us will be after... So I want to wish everybody that celebrates a happy Thanksgiving. Make sure you have lots of uh, food and socially distanced fun. Uh, I appreciate I appreciate people wearing their mask and looking out for others. But uh, yeah, I just literally just want to thank you. Wish you happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy Dynamite next week as we get closer to December 2nd. And I just, yeah, from the bottom of my heart, from both of us, have have a happy start of the holidays. So, with that being said, whether you are eating turkey, ham, or a big plate of stuffing, always do your best to be elite.